obviously, two of our three readings today were about marriage. And you know, every once in a while, someone feels sorry for me that I never had a wife and children, that I miss the joys particularly and the sorrows of parenting, for example. I tell them that although I never fathered children, I've experienced more than my share of parental joys and frustrations take last Saturday night. I had 7 a.m. mass on Sunday morning, so I tried in vain to get to bed early. As I crawled into bed at midnight, five cars pulled into the parking lot across from the rectory, and a posse of boisterous teenage boys poured out of their cars, even though it's clearly posted that basketball ends at sundown on the courts over there. They discovered that lights, their own headlights, light up the courts just fine, and also my bedroom. Offer it up, I said, there are, few, are worse places that a group of teenage boys could be than in the church parking lot playing basketball. But the, the rhythm of dribbling basketballs at 12.15 a.m. curtails sleep. I know you, that might be surprising, maybe not to parents. And rap music at 12.45 makes it worse. Trying not to be an old grouch priest, I turned on the, the bathroom fan to drown out the noise. But surprisingly, when teenagers have a car horn honking contest at 1.15 a.m., the fan doesn't work. Technical foul, I called the police. Asked them just to clear out the parking lot, which they graciously did. But as the dispatcher was taking down the information, I was surprised that a call was coming in on my cell phone at 1.30 a.m. It was one of my college-age nephews. I have 20 nieces and nephews, so he can remain anonymous, Christopher. <laughs> so when I hung up with the police, the first thing I thought was that kid better not be in jail and calling me at 1.30 in the morning. Expecting the worst, I called him back. Yeah, Uncle Rich, I'm here at my fraternity with some Our Lady of Mount Carmel kids, and we have a question. What's that chant that we do around Easter? What? You know that chant that we do around Easter. Ten minutes later, I figured out it was the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Yeah, yeah, that's, all, that's it. They all agreed around a circle, and I'm thinking, back in my day, Easter chants were not the topics of discussion during beer drinking. And then at 1.40, he asked, thanks, Uncle Rich, so, so how are you doing? Actually, I'm tired. Good night. My point is, people often think that priestly qualities and married qualities are vastly different. Not at all. If you're a good priest, you'd be a good husband and father and vice versa. And if you're a good wife, you'd be a good religious sister and so on. Human qualities are the same. Most indefinitely, the case that married couples who live their sacramental calling inspire me to try harder to be a good priest. I've also heard Catholics say the same about priests and nuns, that fidelity inspires fidelity no matter what the calling or state in life. Again, our readings this weekend talk about marriage, and I made the decision this week to speak about the topic of fidelity, in this case of a priest that exhibited paternal qualities that have him in the news in recent days. I think he can inspire the perseverance of all of us, particularly married couples. Father Emil Kapan recently returned to Wichita, Kansas, 71 years after his death, his hometown. Recently, his dog tags were found around the neck 
of his skeletal remains in an unmarked grave in Korea behind what was a prisoner of war hospital that was known by the prisoners of war as the death house. It was inspiring to watch his funeral mass in a Wichita Coliseum last Tuesday where thousands and thousands of people gathered, including his family, fellow Catholics, 75 priests, six bishops, and hundreds of military personnel. It was that he died last week, not in 1950. Clearly, there is momentum for his canonization someday. Father Capon died of malnutrition and pneumonia in a prisoner of war camp in 1950, offering his life for his boys. A fearless soldier, he risked his life to minister to soldiers on the front lines, along with praying with men in foxholes and saying mass on the battlefield using the hood of a jeep for an altar. Father Capon risked his life to administer the sacraments to the dying, to retrieve wounded soldiers and to bury the dead. On one occasion, the pipe he was smoking shot out of his mouth by a sniper. Father Capon's sanctity and heroics were noticed by the men around him. He reluctantly received the Bronze Star Medal for Bravery in 1950 when he rescued a wounded soldier despite intense machine gun fire. His dedication and example kept up the morale of other GIs and his calm demeanor, no matter how intense the situations, gave them peace. His paternal concern for soldiers of all faiths extended to their families. He often took time to write personal letters to the next of kin of servicemen who had died in battle to reassure them they, they, they did not die alone, that in fact they died under his care. Ironically, my mother's 17-year-old first cousin, Norman, lied about his age and entered military service in the 1940s in order to earn money for his single mother and his four siblings. And he died when the youngest in the Korean War under attack in the same reason, region. It seems impossible that their paths did not cross as he died five months before Father Capon. I proudly display his picture in my office and I pray for his intercession. When the Chinese communists entered the war, the momentum changed and many US soldiers that were stationed around the Chosen Reservoir were trapped and imprisoned, including Father Capon. He underwent the same sufferings of other prisoners and because of his status as a priest, often worse, but he dedicated himself to serving the spiritual and physical needs of other prisoners. He rose early and it was a cold, cold winter, temperatures below minus 20 degrees and gathered sticks for fires so that he could melt snow for clean water. He washed clothes and slipped out of the camps to find corn, millet, and soybeans for starving POWs. He circulated through the camps to encourage the prisoners, many of whom later have testified for his posthumous reception of the Medal of Honor and also for his canonization, pray God. When men died, he volunteered for burial duty so he could pray for others over their graves. And during mandated indoctrination sessions held twice a day, communist captors tried to convince POWs of the evils of religion. But Father Capon calmly refuted their claims. And other times, 
He made jokes to lighten the mood. His Chinese captors considered him an agitator, but their attempts to scare, threaten, and humiliate him failed. They were afraid to stop him for fear of rebellion and unrest. Although it was forbidden, Father Capon led an Easter service a month before he died, reminding prisoners of the sufferings that Christ endured for their sake and the new life brought about by his resurrection. He regularly prayed to forgive his captors with his men and encouraged all of his, the prisoners to do so. As his health deteriorated and he was moved to the hospital or the death house, he told his fellow soldiers, I'm going where I'm always wanted to go. And when I get there, I'll pray for all of you and tell my bishop I died a happy death. Again, on the 27th Sunday of Ordinary Time, Jesus wades into the subject of marriage and divorce. Of divorce and I decided during this contentious point in our country's history that it's more prudent and helpful to ponder the example of fidelity and the goodness of our spiritual ancestors who have succeeded on the path in the hopes that those who are struggling in any lot of life, most particularly even marriage, might persevere. Indeed, during October, we celebrate all kinds of examples, such as St. Therese of Lisieux last Friday, tomorrow, St. Francis of Assisi, and countless others leading up to All Saints Day on November 1st. That sanctity, no matter what uh, walk of life, is possible. So curiously, how can Father Capon, a military chaplain in the 1950s, inspire married couples 71 years after his death? Well, his faith, his perseverance, his obedience to God, forgiveness, encouragement, preaching the good news, radical discipleship, chastity, Christian charity, paternal care, selfless service, joy in appealing, uh, appalling circumstances, trust, and suffering for the good of others, qualities that we all need. In short, instead of asking what we have to do in our lives, let us ask Father Capon's intercession in asking, what more can I do to bring about peace and bring about the kingdom, especially during this Respect Life Month. Instead of keeping score about how we may have been slighted by others, maybe we can turn it around and keep score about how we have one-upped others in faith and love and charity. Perhaps to your, towards your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, your co-workers and neighbors. Be light in the darkness that has needed more than ever today, and let us have confidence that our fidelity will inspire fidelity in others, too.